Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time we have together now in your presence. We ask that you descend upon us, that you open our hearts, you open our eyes, you open our minds, and that you speak to us. That through the reading of your message, your gospel will penetrate us, that it will reveal itself to us, that your truth will be made known to us, and that it will change us, shape us, and sanctify us, and make us more like Christ. Bless this time now. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is our our third week in the series on the mind wars, or as I like to call it, episode three. Uh, We talked the first week about the, the battle that goes on in our mind for discernment, for wisdom. Uh, Last week we talked about the battle of of fear versus faith or or anxiety. We talked about the anxious mind. This week we're going to talk about uh, purity and the battle for a pure mind when when it seems so uh, easy to have an impure mind. The reason we're we're doing this series, the reason we're focusing on these mind wars is because we're we're coming to realize that that our, our inner thought life has a profound effect on the way that we live. It has an effect on the way we relate to the people around us, and it certainly has an effect on our relationship with God. So these these battles that go on in our mind, even though most people can't see them, uh, well, really nobody can see the battles that that go on in our our own mind, and and sometimes we're not even aware of them ourselves, but the, the... the battles and the outcome of those battles um, are, are very, can be very uh, crucial, fundamental, even detrimental to our faith and our relationship with Christ. So today as we look, for the, uh, we look at the battle for a pure mind, the first thing we probably ought to do is, is determine exactly what purity is. I think everybody will probably have a slightly uh, different opinion on that, especially when, when we consider what is a pure mind or what is an impure mind? Uh, for a lot of people, uh, we think of an impure mind, we think of dirty thoughts. And when you say dirty thoughts, it has sort of a connotation, maybe lustful thoughts, maybe perverse thoughts. Um, when we say somebody's a, a dirty old man, we know exactly what that means, right? I mean, it's, it's thoughts in our mind that are promiscuous. They're, they're probably uh, vulgar. But really, an impure mind doesn't have to be just that. Uh, because purity um, it just means the absence of anything that is impure. 
this past week, I, I bought a 12-pack um, of, of Diet Right. Do you all remember Diet Right? Uh, it, it was actually the... I read this long article about it, uh, RC, the history of RC. Diet Right was the first diet drink, um, the, the first diet soft drink in America, and it just changed the whole game. Pepsi and Coke, they never saw it coming. They had to catch up to it, and, and, uh, and so Diet Right was the first sugar-free drink. And anyway, I was reading this, this article and the power of suggestion. It made me want to go out and get a 12-pack of Diet Right, so I did. But I was looking at the can, and, and it said pure zero. And when you look at that, you think no calories, zero calories, no sugar. But then you go on and you, you read the rest of the can. It says zero calories, zero caffeine, zero sodium. So if you think about that, zero means three completely different things. Pure means three different things, and that's how it is with our mind. We can say pure means the absence of lustful thoughts, but it also means the absence of uh, greedy thoughts. It's the absence of angry thoughts because absolute purity means that there's nothing evil there. And when we consider that, we realize, wow, it is really difficult to have a pure mind. How in the world are we supposed to have a pure mind? Well, like I said uh, last week, our mind, our body, our hearts is, is the Lord's castle. When he comes to dwell within us, it becomes his home. So anything that challenges that becomes an intruder. And, and, and when we think of, of God and his desire for us to live a life of purity and to have a clean mind and a clean heart, we know that the opposition is impurity. So there's obviously this battle, there's this struggle, there are forces of evil. The devil wants to put impure thoughts into our heart and our mind to contaminate that. And so we, we have this, this constant struggle where we have these, these thoughts, and, and we can call them intruders, they're intrusive thoughts. And I want to say right off the bat, there, there is no sin in having an a intrusive thought pop into your mind, because you can't control that. When, when the devil puts a thought in your mind that doesn't belong there, that's not your fault, and you should not be ridden with guilt over it. But how you handle that thought is what's important. Because a thought can pop in your mind, and you can choose to dwell on it, or you can choose to move on and get rid of it. And what you choose to do with that thought will determine... Um, how you live your life. It will reach, determine uh, whether or not you are grieving the spirit of Christ which is in you. And that's the devil's ultimate goal, is to try to knock us off track, to try to contaminate us in, in any way uh, he can think of. Uh, years ago, I went hiking through the mountains, and, and I noticed there was this waterfall, this stream going through, and I, I was probably about Liam's age, and I was, I was hiking with my dad, and I was really thirsty because uh, we'd been walking a long way, and he said, uh, you, can, you can drink that water, it's fine, because it's been moving, it's been flowing and, and tumbling down the rocks, and it, and it sort of purifies itself, it cleans itself. But if you uh, were to, to take uh, something contaminated, if you were to take two dirty, disease-ridden frogs or something and, and put them over in that stream and then dam it up so that the water could no longer move, that water would not be fresh anymore, would it? That water would sit still with that contamination and it would circulate around there and it would dwell around there and, and that water would not be uh, 
fit for drinking. But again, if you were to release the water and it were to tumble forward, it would, it would again start to purify itself. And it's the same way with our thoughts. When a thought comes into our mind that can contaminate us, either we can keep going towards holiness, we can keep going with thoughts of, of, of purity and holiness and, and sort of sanctifying our thought life in that way, or we can stop like the water at the dam and just sort of circulate around that contamination. And when we do that, then, then our lives become unclean. The, the way we think, the way we act, everything that comes from that becomes unclean. Everything that we do is a result of our, our thought life and whether there is uh, purity or impurity that we are dwelling on. Uh, the best example of this in the Bible that I can think of is David. Uh, we, we, I think most of us know the, the story of David and Bathsheba, right? David saw Bathsheba bathing on, on the roof, and he, he decided he wanted to take her as his wife. And, of course, she was somebody else's wife. So what did he do? He put her husband on the front lines of battle so that he would be killed. And then David could take Bathsheba as his own. It's a terrible sin. It had uh, horrible consequences. The sword uh, never left David's house. He just, there were these horrible consequences. And David repented later. He, he repented and, and got himself right before God. But the consequences just kept going for the rest of his life. So when we read the Psalms that David wrote, we see this, this idea of purity keeps popping up. A pure heart, a pure mind. At one point, David says in Psalm 139, you know my innermost thoughts. He realized that God knew his thoughts. Because what David did with, with Bathsheba and with her husband, all of that was a, a result of a thought, a lustful thought that he did not move on from, that he let control, that he let dwell there within his mind. And so this sort of becomes a theme in David's writings throughout the psalm. And he says, and, and, and I preached a sermon uh, last year, if you'll remember on this, on, on the psalm where he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. David almost kind of came obsessed with this idea of, of having a pure heart, a pure mind, because he realized how detrimental it was to let his thought life run away. And, and so he, he, this became a theme throughout the psalms. At one point he even says, how? Can a young man keep his way pure? How? I mean, it, that's a question we all have to, to ask ourselves. How can we possibly keep our thoughts and our minds pure? And then David turns around and he answers it by keeping it according to your word. So let's look at what God's word says about a pure mind, about what we should do with our thought life. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, Paul tells the Corinthians to hold every thought captive. That means whenever a thought enters your mind, immediately seize it and ask yourself, should this be there? Is this something that I want in my mind right now? In other words, take careful inventory of your thoughts. Years ago, I worked at a uh, bottling plant in Buffalo Rock. And, when, and my job there, it was actually kind of a, a pretty cool job. I, I got to blend the drinks. I was the lab technician. So I was the one who made the Pepsi, the Mountain Dew, the Lipton Green Tea. If you drink Pepsi products, uh, which I don't, but if you do, um, chances are a few years ago, you drank something that I made because I, I was 
the one blending the drinks in the, uh, the southeast region. But part of that job was we had to take every, uh, we, we had to take inventory every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Because you go back there in the warehouse and you have these, these gallons of concentrate. And one gallon of concentrate would make literally hundreds of thousands of gallons of the soft drink. And we would go back there and we would have to check the expiration dates. Because once we got them, they were only fresh for a few weeks. And we had to make the drinks within those few weeks or it would spoil. And so we had to take careful inventory. And if we realized, hey, this concentrate right here is going to expire tomorrow, we knew the clock was ticking and we had to go ahead and make all of that Pepsi. Because if we missed inventory then thousands upon thousands of cases of Pepsi were going to go out and taste absolutely rancid. They were going to be spoiled. So inventory became a crucial part of that job. Now we're just talking about soft drinks here. How much more important is it, is it for us to take that kind of inventory with our thought life, with our spiritual life? To say, hey look, if these thoughts here, even just this little thought is contaminated, it can affect every area of my life. It can affect all of my relationships. It can affect my walk with God. So I've got to get this out of here as soon as possible. That's the kind of inventory we have to take. And it's, it's very challenging, I know. It's very challenging to be able to pull ourselves away from those thoughts and examine them, whether or not they are worthy, whether or not they uh, are conducive to our spiritual growth, or whether or not they are going to grieve the Spirit of Christ which is in us. You see, the Christian life is all about transformation. And people notice when we are followers of Christ by the way we act, the way we behave. But our behavior is not the first thing we should be looking to change. Because if we do that, it's all superficial. It's all a show. It's our inner life, our inner thoughts that have to change first. And then our behavior comes from that. The external transformation is the result of an internal transformation. So how do we transform ourselves? How do we get rid of those rancid thoughts, those impure thoughts, whether they be lustful or whether they be uh, angry or, or, or greedy or whatever it is? How do we get rid of them? The passage that we read tells us how. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, pure, worthy of good report, meditate on these things. That word meditate, it means to think about over and over again on repetition. Reflect on it. Lull over these things. Because it's not enough just to abstain from impure thoughts. We have to replace them. If we don't replace the impure thoughts, they'll just come back... Again and again. Whenever we, we have, uh, replace software on our computer, we, we, we recognize that software is outdated. It can corrupt our, our system. It can corrupt our files. And so what do we do? We replace it. We don't just get the old software out. We've got to put new software in. And it's a struggle at first. It can be buggy. It can want to go back and, and do the old things. But the more you use it, the more it realizes, oh, this is how I function now. And it's the same way with our minds. It's, it's a struggle. There are patterns of thought that we want to fall back into. But if we replace those thoughts with new thoughts, right thoughts, pure thoughts, our mind starts to develop in that way. 
Uh, there was a Christian radio station that I used to listen to when I lived in Columbus. I still listen to it sometimes if I can get good reception. Uh, but their slogan for a while there, I don't know if they still say it, but they, they would come on and they'd say, keeping your mind on the things above. And that's, that's the goal, is if we have our mind focused on the things of God, on the things of heaven, then all the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. All those, those evil thoughts, those impure thoughts, the angry thoughts, the anxious thoughts, all the things that are going to contaminate our relationship with God, those are being replaced with his thoughts, with pure thoughts. We can't just abstain from impurity. We have to replace it with good things, things worthy of report, things that are noble and holy and trustworthy. Now, those impurities, like I said, they can be anything. Just as, as the soft drink... Purity can mean several different things. Purity in our mind means several different things. So what is it? What is it in your mind that you struggle with? What is it in your heart that you struggle with? What are the thoughts that enter your head and then you can't get them out? They just fester and they grow. And the more they grow, the more they dominate you and they they dominate your thought life. Because whatever it is, even if it's a simple thing, even if it's something that that seems like it may be okay in the beginning, if it starts to dominate your thoughts and it starts to grow in that way, it's taking you away from the thoughts of God, the thoughts of the kingdom, the thoughts of heaven. And we have to take inventory. I mentioned that verse by David where he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That word acceptable is the same word they would use when they would examine a lamb for sacrifice. And a lamb was only acceptable if it was completely unblemished. No bones were broken. Everything about it was perfect. Then it was an acceptable sacrifice. In the book of Habakkuk, the the prophet says to God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. That's why the sacrifice had to be pure. That's why our minds and our hearts have to be pure, not just in one area, but in every area. Because God cannot tolerate evil. He cannot tolerate sin. He cannot dwell within our hearts and within our minds if we are constantly trying to shove him out with the contaminated thoughts that are growing and spreading like a virus within us. You see, the battle of purity in the mind can be the most challenging And demanding of all of the mind wars. Because it's relentless. It never ends. It's a lifelong battle. It requires constant focus and devotion. But it's also challenging because it can present itself in so many different ways. And just when you think that you've defeated one type of contaminated thought, another might intrude. But we must always remember it's not just the absence of evil in our mind that makes our thought life pure. It is the inner turning towards holiness. John Wesley talked a lot about personal holiness and sanctification, that God is continuing to work on us, that that salvation isn't just an event where, where we have our conversion experience, but it goes on beyond that, where God continues to work on us to make us more Christ-like. That is what sanctification is. And it can only we can only realize that if we are constantly turning our hearts and our minds over to the Lord so that he can perfect us in holiness. It's reflection and meditation on what is good and pure and true that is going to defeat and overcome those those evil thoughts that make their way 
into the Lord's castle. When we realize that those intruders are in his castle, what are we going to do? Are we going to let them stay there? Are we going to fend them off? Are we going to put more guards in place by reflecting on Scripture, by reflecting on what is true and pure and good and holy? Scriptural meditation, a healthy prayer life, keeping your mind on the things above, these are the only things that can truly combat the the evil and contaminated thoughts that will sometimes pop up in our mind. We must be diligent to focus on the things of heaven, the things of God, if we're going to overcome this battle. Let us pray. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness for all the times that we've let the waters of our minds circle around the, the contamination, the pollutants, the, the intrusive thoughts that don't belong there. We ask that, uh, that not only would you remove those thoughts far from us, but that you would, would help us to move our, our thoughts in one direction towards you, towards your holiness. And we ask that you create in us a clean heart, that our minds, our thoughts, will become your heart. They will become your thoughts. Empower us and strengthen us as we know that we are incapable of doing this on our own. We need your strength. We need your word. We need your spirit. Today and every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 382, Have Thine Own Way, Lord.